Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here. An honor and a privilege, as always. And I am so pleased that I can share with you the, uh, the good news. I'm sure you've already seen it, but I still want to get to say it. I had a feeling it was going to happen yesterday, and it did. Uh, the president was released from the hospital. Now, now, before we get into the lib reaction to this, the way the Democrats responded to it, and, and how insane they are, and how they are, they are broken, they are clearly uh, and utterly out of their minds, let's just first look at what a, a normal person, a, a normal decent American would think in response to this. The president is 74 years old. He is just by age in a higher risk category for COVID-19. And he's in and out of the hospital in three days, three days. And he went to the hospital, remember, as a precaution, too. I think people lose sight of that in this whole conversation. It wasn't that he was in a dire situation, but they were trying to be as careful as possible because he's the leader of the free world. Now, everyone should think. This is a this is just great news. This is objectively good news for the country. It's it's good news for the United States and for really, well, the whole world, at least everybody that we care about what they think. Um, and it is it would be really catastrophic in so many ways if the president was severely ill. First of all, he's a dad. He's a husband. He's got a wife and kids. I want every American to be safe and to beat any disease, any virus uh, they have, whatever it is, right? And that's the the underlying, that's the foundational viewpoint that we should all have when any of our fellow human beings, and especially our fellow Americans, become sick in, in an instance like this. Everyone who's in a hospital now, anywhere, anywhere in the country, anywhere around the world with COVID, I, I hope they're able to beat it. And that's just the most obvious thing you can think of. But... It's not the way the media responded to it. I mean, here's a a senior citizen who has what can be a life-threatening disease. He is the president of the United States as well. The markets tanked when he went into the hospital. The markets jumped back up when he came out of the hospital. Uh, There's a lot right now that's on the plate of the president. Even though we're in the midst of an election season, he still has things he's got to do for the good of the country, right? We have vaccines under development that are going to need to be distributed with a lot of help from the federal government we have all the national security threats and challenges still in the background there's a lot here you want a healthy president everyone should want a healthy president but the lib journals not so much i mean maybe they wanted him to beat this eventually I'll, i'll give them that although some didn't and that's very clear from the jokes and the comments that they've made publicly but they wanted him to suffer for a bit One, because they hate him in an irrational and monstrous way, but also because there's this whole narrative that they're invested in. There is a a perception that the media has really built more so than, than any other entity in this country, more so than even the public health officials and Fauci and all the rest. The the mainstream media has convinced people that COVID is horrifically dangerous to everyone. And and there's a perception and this is true from the polling. And you can see people under 50 in America think covid is 40 times as lethal for them as it is on average, 
40x, not four. And that's because of the media. How many news stories have you seen about the spike in cases on college campuses? I, th- I think at this point, tens of thousands of college kids have gotten COVID-19. Tens of thousands of them already. It might even be more than that now. Uh, how many fatalities have there been from this? How many hospitalizations? A handful of hospitalizations. I think there might be, as I speak to you now, one fatality of a college-age person from this. And you know, there are people who die from diseases that we don't worry about all the time who are college age and, and don't make it in the news. We're talking about one in the whole nation, folks. When you're talking about a single person in an age category dying of a disease, you know, people die of West Nile virus. They die of the they die of the hantavirus, right? You're not terrified of that. Now, I understand COVID has spread to far more people. It's a much bigger problem. But for that age group, for that age cohort, it really isn't a much bigger problem than the flu. It's just not. Statistically, if you're in college, COVID's not a real threat to you. Not any more so than other diseases that we've come to live with. This is the risk management and the uh, the framework for understanding this that everyone has has been told to abandon right now. And you're going to hear me talking a lot more about Sweden in the days ahead. You know, as people yell, my mask protects you and your mask protects me. Really? Why don't you tell the Swedes that talking point? Because they're not wearing masks and they're fine. Fine. They're better off, in fact, than all of their major European counterparts right now. And what exactly was the lesson that we learned from this? Oh, well, we're not supposed to talk about that because now we have zip code by zip code lockdowns in New York. The dumbest thing I've heard. Oh, no, there's dumber. I can't even say in a long time. The dumbest thing I've heard in probably about. Less than 24 hours about COVID. That's where we are. But you see, the the media also views COVID as a vessel for attacking Trump. Everyone's very upset. A lot of people have died from it. It, There there is a real concern for people who are in the higher risk category for it. Uh, We've had economic devastation from it. People have lost their jobs. I've had friends get fired from their, not you know, let go, not fired for cause, but lost their jobs because of COVID. And we've we've suffered through all of this. And so there is a lot of anger out there, which you see from the protests. And there were more of them in L.A. last night, you know, black block BLM protests, uh, Antifa protests. You know, black block is the tactic. And uh, I, I guess it's the right wing that's doing it. But we have all this happening in the country and there's all this anger that's built up and the media and the Democrat Party understands that what's most politically useful for them is for it all to be directed at President Trump. So they want people I've been calling it for the whole summer, as you know, the Make America Miserable Again campaign. They want people angry, despondent, depressed. They want them frightened. And what happened last night was the president of the United States came out and basically delivered a roundhouse kick into the face of be afraid, be very afraid of COVID narrative. They just don't want to hear this. They, they don't want anyone to think that this could be a new approach going forward. The president said, I'll be leaving. This was yesterday. The, the great Walter Reed at 630 p.m. feeling good. And then he wrote, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. And then he wrote, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. 
What's the big problem here? Don't let it dominate your life. Don't be afraid. The media completely flipped out about this because their response is, no, be terrified and let it dominate your life. In fact, let it dominate your life so much that you will acquiesce to the moronic and tyrannical demands of mostly, but not entirely, Democrat governors and and Democrat politicians and officials throughout the country who are pretending like we can't see what has happened, what has worked, what hasn't. And now they're preparing to lock the country down again just in time for the election. What a surprise. I've been telling you this for the last really six months. As soon as we're as soon as we're out of lockdown, they're going to put us back into it. As soon as we get past this, they're going to decide that, oh, no, right in time for the election, we have to lock down again. I mean, they're the ones that have made this an issue of theatrics. Wearing a mask is annoying. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. Democrats are the ones who put masks on for their Facebook photos and their Twitter avatars. When they're alone doing interviews, they still wear a mask, even though I don't think the virus can travel over Zoom or Skype. But this has become a political symbol. This this is really their their primary rallying mechanism in this election cycle against Trump. You wear a mask because you have to in New York City and then other places across the country. Uh, And so it also makes it seem like because some portion of the people that do it are wearing masks in solidarity with Biden, the Democrat narrative, the more masks you see, the stronger that narrative, that the stronger that support must be. And Trump just delivered uh, a a very difficult, a very, a very challenging bit of information here for those who want us all to be in constant fear of this, because here's a 74 year old man who uh, looks like he's going to entirely beat this thing in a very brief period of time with minimal symptoms. Kaylee McEnany also tested uh, positive. She has COVID-19. You know, you all know she's a friend of mine now going on almost uh, 10 years. She says she feels fine, doesn't even have any symptoms. So she's positive for COVID. She's uh, in her 30s. I forget. I think she's about 30, 33, 34. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. She's a lady. I don't know if we're allowed to say her age. But uh, she has no symptoms whatsoever as of today. So we have people who in their 20s and 30s, if they get this, the chance of them really having a problem with it is infinitesimal. But they walk around with handkerchiefs around their faces and scream at people who go for jogs by themselves outside without a mask on. They think that's rational. They think that's normal. This is a nightmare for the libs, which is why they were reacting the way they did as the president made it back to the White House and showed the country that we can beat this just like Trump is beating this. We can live our lives not in fear, but with an understanding and with a real acceptance that nothing is perfect. There are risks in life and you need to choose which ones you're willing to take. The mandates, the the national dictates about how we're going to handle this does not take into account, one, the constitutional violations that we're talking about here. Governor Cuomo is threatening to shut down places of religious worship, worship in New York City openly. He's saying, I'll shut down your synagogue to the Jewish community in Brooklyn and Queens here. And Democrats have no problem with this. So, you know, in some stores, I'm sorry, in some states, the weed stores are open, but the synagogues have to close. The churches have to close. That's that's way too dangerous. 
no one's really looking at science and data anymore. They're all just pushing preferred narratives on the left, and that's why the president is such a problem for them. He wasn't supposed to be able to get in and out of the hospital in three days and say he's feeling good. He wasn't supposed to be able to have all the, yes, it was theatrical, and they've already released what feels like a movie trailer about Trump's return to the White House, the campaign has, but he did. And now they have to deal with it. And now they have to accept the reality of a country that's beginning to see that they don't all have to be living in fear anymore. That's really part of the vote that's coming up here. Are Democrats going to be in charge and get you to live in fear for the next year, year and a half, maybe two because of COVID? Or do you, or do you go with the Trump administration that's going to work through this as rationally as possible, as reasonably as possible, understanding that nothing is perfect, but we'll get through this together. This is an, a nightmare for the left. They may be in a situation here. Just understand this. Where Trump beats COVID, ACB gets confirmed, and then Trump beats Biden. They know this can happen, and they know they can't process or accept or handle it on any level, which is why they are panicking right now thanks for listening to the best of buck daily podcast get more from buck by following him on social media at buck sexton on facebook twitter and instagram and don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. oh it wasn't just a handful of media libs freaking out about the president's discharge from walter reed uh, there was so much anger and rage about this all across the media they, they were really it's like it's like somebody canceled Christmas, Halloween, and Thanksgiving all at once. They were very, very sad, outraged. Here's uh, just a collection. I think this is from Grabian. A collection of how the media responded to this. But really, the notion that the president says you should not live in fear of this. The media has been very clear. They want you to live in fear of this. You are supposed to live in fear of the virus. Uh, and and that, those are your orders now from from the elite Democrat media, from the Democrat Party, the Biden campaign. Be very afraid and do everything we say. And only then, maybe if we win the election at some point, will we give you your life back? That's the promise that they're making to you. It's pretty terrifying. Play 14. President Trump wrote on Twitter, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh my goodness, Nicole, when I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless, it is uh, cruel. Jake, this is, this is so disrespectful. I'm not even sure I can, I can speak about this. It's incredibly, uh, incredibly disrespectful. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? I mean, first of all, it's, it's a contagious disease that kills people. There's nowhere to even begin. It's gross. It's such a distressing moment. It's just so horrible, so, so destructive to say, I feel better than I have in 20 years. And the president says it's no big deal. I mean, it's outrageous. It is insulting uh, to the people who have lost loved ones. It is insulting to every American who wears a mask. I mean, it's disgraceful, Wolf. It's absurd. Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're so emotionally broken. Let's really think about this. 
The president says, don't let COVID dominate your life. That triggers the libs. We are supposed to let it dominate our lives. We are supposed to stay home indoors for another six months at least. Stay away from people. Wear a mask constantly. I have to wear a mask on the on the treadmill in my. It's insane by myself. They have a camera in the gym. If you don't wear that mask, they're going to come up there and yell at you. Got to wear a mask by yourself. I don't know that many people that are really sick that are going to want to go work out. But anyway, all over the asymptomatic spread. Right. So they have an answer for everything about how live in fear is the answer. Constantly live in fear of this disease. Huge numbers of college kids have gotten this. And we're still supposed to uh, think that it's a terrible risk. Shut down the colleges. Shut down the colleges. That's what everyone's been saying. What? Why? What? We have run the experiment. We have done what they told us to do. It didn't work. It was counterproductive. Back off. That's what actually needs to happen right now. You know that Sweden, I, I know that this is like, why are we talking so much about this Nordic country of 10 million? Because they're the control group. They're the control group for the study of state control and uh, and demands during covid as of last week i think it was there was an epidemiologist from harvard it's a pretty serious medical school harvard medical school uh guy's a world-renowned doctor wrote wrote a a piece in a uk paper i'm sure it's hard to get this published in the u.s right now wrote a piece and i think it was the independent and he said i pointed out that there are a couple of million school-aged children in sweden they've never locked down the schools there they never shut them down they kept kids in school the whole time out of the 1.8 million school-aged children in sweden do you know how many have died zero wow okay do you know how many children die every year in just i think it was uh scotland and wales was this was this uh citation he made in the uk about 50 die from flu in, in those two parts of the United Kingdom every year. Now, that's not a huge number, but keep in mind, it's much larger than how many people are dying of that age group in any Western country, but schools are shut down. People say, oh, Buck, it's because of the teachers. Um, okay, teachers that are above the age of 50 should, should try to work more remotely. And, you know, the way to handle this has been clear for a long time now. Protect the vulnerable population which is an age-restricted group. Make all the provisions necessary for the medical care, but also the, you know, to to make sure that we can safely keep them from feeling isolated, right? To make sure that the technology is in place, to make sure that family can be there and that there's testing to make sure that people that are still willing to go see people at higher risk can at least get a quick result. I came back from, I think it was North Carolina, which was on the restricted list, and I was told the test and trace core is all over me every day. Oh, excuse me, the test and trace core. I'm like, what do you guys do? You know that uh, you've been to a state. Yeah, I know. Obviously, that's why you're calling me. Are, are you staying home for two weeks? Yeah, I'm staying home for two weeks, which, by the way, no one's staying home for two weeks. And so that's all nonsense. Ten thousand dollar fine, they say. That's great. Let's have laws that are really dictates by a governor that are not enforced. And if they are enforced, it's going to be capricious enforcement of it. Let's see what that does to our sense of of the system and its seriousness. But uh, I wanted to get a test uh, just to make sure that, you know, in case I was going to go near my parents for the first, let's say, 10 days or so after I got back. You know how long they told me it was going to take to get test results back at every testing center I went to? 10 to 14 days. Oh, that's great. 
That's really, that was really, and this was in August. So instead, but, but you want, what you want are millions and millions of tests. You don't want tests that are very rapid, highly efficient, and accessible for people that have really been exposed. What you want is just masses of people getting tested all the time. We have a, 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 a 2 or 3% positivity rate. That means that 97 out of 100 people in New York who get tested don't have COVID. And there's also a false positivity rate that's at least 1%. It is for any PCR test. So how many people are even getting positive results back that aren't real? Folks, this has been, the whole thing has been botched because of all the fear. It's been botched because people won't listen to reason. Yes, people are dying from COVID, will die from COVID. It's horrible. There are a lot of diseases out there that people die from and that are horrible. We don't shut down society. We don't shut down the economy. And, and we were having a discussion about this at the beginning. But then the fear mongers just completely took over. And then the Democrats realized this was a mechanism for control. They realized that this was going to keep the country economically and psychologically depressed in an election year. And they could also pose as the the great and virtuous people. I mean, you've got fake Tapper tweeting out photos of himself. I'm alone in my office at CNN, but I'm still wearing a mask because that's what adults do. No, that's moronic, actually. It means nothing. You're alone. Why are you wearing a mask? You're worried you're going to infect yourself? Makes no sense. But see, it's all about you, you share the photo. I've got a mask on like a good person. I'm one of the good people. I'm surprised that libs aren't yelling at me. I'm doing a show in my apartment alone at home. No one else coming in here all day. It's kind of kind of boring, really. And uh, am I supposed to wear a mask? You know, because that's what the adults do. That's what the good people do. This is uh, this is all just outrageous at this point. Yeah, it's all nuts. And the media realizes that they haven't been able to defeat Trump, even with all the challenges of this year, with everything that we've seen, they have not been able to have the knockout blow against this guy politically. And that's part of what this freak out is. They, they just they felt like, oh, look at him. Remember what the narrative was last week? Trump has covid because he's reckless and doesn't believe in science and he's a bad person. That's what the narrative was all day Friday, all through the weekend. And then it's like Trump waving everybody saying, all right, I'm out, had COVID, looks like I'm going to be all right. Not out of the woods yet entirely, but looks like I'm going to be just fine. (gasps) What do you mean? You're not allowed to be just fine. You're supposed to be terrified. You're supposed to to hide forever from this. You know, they they still cling to this. They they believe that that's the response that we are all supposed to have. Everybody should be afraid. That's what they want you to say. Oh, here, here's a fake tapper doing the usual, you know, moral condescension toward not just the president, all of his supporters, as if he is somebody who we can trust on, on anything. Play 17. 210,000 Americans dead, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans mourning them. 7.4 million Americans uh, have contracted the disease. Many of them are going to have health problems for the rest of their life. For President Trump, who gets the best medical care of anybody in the world, to say, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. There are children who don't have parents now because of this virus. Don't let it dominate your life. Yeah. That's that's the let it dominate your life. I mean, he raises the question. Let it dominate your life. That's what he's that is the message. Be terrified. Don't go outside. Have someone else deliver your groceries. Oh, of course, all these people have other people out there in the world that are doing the things for them that, you know, are icky when it comes to covid. 
You know, I'm sure I'm sure Tapper sends a staffer to go, you know, pick up lunch for him whenever he wants or go do his groceries or whatever it may be among many other uh, millionaire anchors at CNN. So but but notice it's uh, be terrified. Let it dominate your life. That's what they want you. Let it dominate your life for as long as it's out there. What if what if the vaccines are only 50 percent effective, which is a very real possibility? And they'll still remember if it's 50 percent effective, I think that's the threshold for it gets approved. Well, then what? We're just going to let it dominate our lives forever. At what point do we just get to tell the people that are going to constantly be afraid? Look, if they want to be afraid, I'm not making anybody do anything. They're making you. They want to control you. They want to because of their fear. You don't have any rights. That's the way the society works now. People are scared largely because they've been brainwashed. So you can't make your own decisions about what risks you're willing to take when it comes to your own health. And when I'm talking about risks, I'm not saying, you know, start uh, you know, doing doing heroin and going bungee jumping and something. I'm talking about whether you can breathe air outdoors without a cloth over your face, without a face diaper on. It's absurd. But this is where they are. They're dug in. They're never going to change. They're never going to switch up on this thing. They've got an election to win. And if the American people are starting to feel optimistic, if Trump's rise, if his ability to beat this virus becomes a symbol of how the whole country can beat the virus, then all of a sudden this uh, geriatric mediocrity known as Joe Biden doesn't seem that compelling to the people who aren't already brainwashed libs. So they've got to just do everything they can to get so mad at Trump, so angry at him over all of this. And it's as though he's killed 200,000 people. Did Trump kill all the people in Europe who have died of COVID? Is, is it because of his recklessness that that's why that happened? I just want to know. Um, is it because of the lack of mask adherence from all the Trump supporters in Madrid that that city is currently on lockdown? Or, or, or was it all the right wing media outlets that convinced the Irish not to do enough social distancing and masking because they're going on a national lockdown? I just want to know, do they have answers to any of these questions? No, all they have is the repetition, the recycling of talking points from the past that were abandoned when it didn't work. And now they're saying it again. Now they double down on it. Oh, all we had to do to stop the pandemic was wear masks. But at the very beginning, they didn't realize this. What mask technology changed between now and then? I just want to know. Oh, okay. so we're supposed to listen to the people who didn't tell us how to stop this whole thing in its tracks from the very beginning. Fauci and all the rest. Here's what you have with these folks, friends. Uh, a lot of these public health experts have just been in positions. They're just bureaucrats. They go to meetings. The CDC puts out memos. No one pays attention to them. Oh, we might have a bad flu season this year. Some people read it. Barely anyone cares. There's no, there's no uh, mechanism in place for excellence at these institutions. The CDC completely botched the early days of testing when it actually would have been most useful. As we know, this is just a matter of record now. And they explicitly told us not to wear masks. The World Health Organization, is, is, that a, is that an institution that we still listen to? Yes or no? I'm, I'm never sure. Well, they just put out a study this week that you won't hear about from anywhere else. They estimate that 10% of the world's population has already been infected with the coronavirus. Of the world's population. That's 760 million people. Johns Hopkins has been saying there are 35 million cases. Okay, 760 million people is what they actually think have been infected with this. When you start looking at the fatality rate against 760 million cases, you know what it's close to above, above, but very close to the bad flu season. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. I'm going to do what I've done in the past. I'm going to bring all these interests together. Peaceful protesters, police chiefs, police officers, the police unions, as well as the civil rights groups in the White House and sit down and decide what are the things that need to be done to improve and help police officers. I'm the only one who's talked about increasing police budgets. When your husband goes on a call that in fact is a 911 call, it's better if he or she has with them a psychologist or psychiatrist with them, someone who knows how to deal with someone who is not all there. And so there's a lot of things we should be doing. In addition to that, I also am proposing that we spend a significantly more money on community policing. The reason it worked, my son used to be an attorney general of the state of Delaware. The idea is you get the police, you get the law enforcement together with the community so they know one another. Because that kid walking across the street with a hoodie on may be the next poet laureate. It doesn't mean that child is going to be a trouble. Just all liberal claptrap and blather from Biden here. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable, actually. This is this is what he thinks. This shows you how much he understands about law enforcement, the problems of law enforcement, the challenges that they face. And there's a reason why in the debate, and this was a moment that Trump did get in a really good shot. Has any law has any major law enforcement organization come out in support of Joe Biden's candidacy? He didn't have an answer then because we all think the answer is no, they don't. Because they know they know the Democrat Party in order to try to turn out the minority vote and in order to create a narrative of of uh, Trump as a bad guy who, you know, is all these things, white nationalist. He's a racist. He's terrible. Uh, They're willing to throw police under the bus. They're willing to throw police under the bus and say the police are the problem. And this is just a Democrat political strategy. That's all they're doing. It's very obvious. I think we all recognize it for what it is, at least if you're objective and clear eyed in how you approach this stuff. And just just look at some of the things that he says, first of all, that he wants to increase police budgets. Why? Why exactly is that? OK, so we've gone from defund the cops, which is what the rallying cry of the Democrats was all summer to now Biden's like, I want to increase the, the budget for policing. But you see, I'm sure he would have to then add to it, but only for certain things, not for actual cops. Let's let's make the police department a bloated, uh, a bloated jobs program for lazy Democrats. That's really what they want to do. That's the that's the idea. They've done this in the public school system. The biggest area of growth in the public school system in terms of employment over the last 20 years is non-teaching administrative staff. So that's where you get all these, you know, you want as many vice principals and assistant vice principals and deputy assistant vice principals you can possibly get in there you know make sure everyone's making uh, 120 to 150 grand unfireable no real job description to speak of other than just have an office and be there there's been a six-fold increase in the last i think it's the last 15 years might be the last 20 years of administrative staff in the public school system where you're just like well okay what is this just bureaucrats bureaucrats maybe put as many bureaucrats in there as possible that's the plan and so biden when he's talking about making the police departments have a bigger budget no one really thinks it's so we can put more cops on the street right cops are if you listen to democrats they're bad they're racist cops are killing unarmed black men for sport systematically across the country 
That's what we've been told for months. They're still burning down buildings and, uh, you know, looting and rioting and doing all this crazy crap over that lie. They're still doing it. That hasn't changed. So let's let's look at some of the specifics here. Biden says that if he were in charge, he would want to uh, he would want to make sure that there was a psychologist or a psychiatrist with a cop on a 911 call. You want to talk about just uh, a proposition that I want to know how he thinks this is going to work exactly. Do you want to be the psychiatrist who gets to go on domestic violence calls with a cop in the hopes that maybe maybe your services are needed and that you're not just there to watch somebody try to, you know, hit their ex-husband in the face with a frying pan or a meat cleaver? I mean, you, you want that job? What are these psychiatrists? Psychiatrists go to med school. That's an M.D. Uh, unlike Joe Biden's wife, who we call doctor because she has a doctorate in education. Sorry, I'm not calling her doctor. Uh, to be a psychiatrist, you actually have to have an M.D. You have to go to medical school. We're going to have M.D.s riding along for for what, what, what would be the standard? No, I really mean this. He says this. He's a presidential candidate. Let's think this through. When does the psychiatrist go along for the uh, for the police call? Where's that psychiatrist all day? Are they waiting in an office to get sent along in, in the case that there's somebody who's what we would call in police, what they call in police work, an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person? OK, uh, you know, now the cops can go and do the procedure is you go, you make sure everyone's safe, you deal with any issues of, of law breaking or anyone in imminent harm. And then if you need to, you take somebody to the psych unit in a in a hospital. Right. That, that's the way it works right now. We're, we're going to send out a psychologist and psychiatrist on police calls. You know what we should do? Let's send social workers. Remember when that was the plan? They've, they've had to step away from that one because it was so stupid. Yes. Send a social worker. Hey, um, I know that, you know, you, you know, fired off a bunch of rounds at your neighbor with your Glock because, you know, you don't like the way that his hat was on his head or something. But, you know, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah, that's really going to solve things. That's really going to solve things. Hey, I, I know a great I know a great jobs website that I could introduce you to. So can you can you take that baseball bat out of your hands and stop threatening to kill your neighbor with it? Because there's really great job opportunities. Out. Now, look, I'm not saying that there's not a role for people to be out there, but the cops have a job to do. And the job is not to be everyone's babysitter in society. It's not to be all the and we already ask so much of law enforcement in this regard. And, you know, they overwhelmingly rise to the occasion and have to do a lot of it. they got to be on. And every cop I know will say they got to be on the spot therapist. They got to intervene in family disputes. They got to make people feel safe while also making sure the law is being enforced. While also, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into this. Not an easy job, folks. Not an easy job. Who threw them under the bus this summer because it was politically expedient? Who allowed lies to be told about our law enforcement community endlessly magnified them? Democrat Party and the media, you know, the same people that that go on TV at MSNBC and talk about how racist cops are all the time. I assure you, if someone, you know, broke into the back door of their mansion in Calorama, they would call those cops and expect them there right away and they would be very happy to see them. Uh, but then they'd go on TV the next night and talk about how cops are racist murderers again, because that's what their audience has been trained to believe. And that's the that's the big lie of the Democrat Party. 
Uh, oh, and then community policing. This is what people say who don't really know anything, right? Community policing. You know what another word for community policing is? Policing. The NYPD, the LAPD, they have outreach programs. They have community liaison officers. They got, you know, and overwhelmingly, including in large cities, the, the relationship with most of the population, most of the residents of the city and the police force is very good. There's a small subset of the population that wants to go out and riot and attack cops and spit on them and act like they're the bad guys. They just happen to all be Democrats. That's the problem. It's all Democrats. This is their issue. This is their shortcoming. They're failing. And Biden talking about this. I mean, it's just laughable idiocy from this clown. It really is. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. You know, we hadn't heard from one voice in the Democrat Party in a while that I thought would be playing a much bigger role in this. Um, Michelle Obama. I remember people were talking about how Michelle Obama was going to be the candidate. We just didn't know it yet. She wasn't in the primary, but she didn't have to run the primary. The the Democrats were just going to say, you know, you know what our best option is? We're going to run Michelle Obama. And I actually believe I'm I'm not saying I think she'd be a good president. I'm not even getting into any of that. I think she would have been a much more formidable candidate if she had decided to do it than Joe Biden, just based on the on Obama and the name recognition and the association and the Democrats loving the, the 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 premier brand in the Democrat Party today is not Kennedy, is not Clinton, certainly not Biden, although I know he's running for president. It's Obama. We hadn't really heard much from Michelle Obama or Barack Obama. Barack put out a, a statement, and I look, I, I, call, them, I call them as I see them, uh, balls and strikes. Uh, Barack put out a decent statement about Trump and wasn't, I, I don't remember, I didn't see it being uh, anything, the, I hope he gets better, but he deserved it. That's what most Democrats were doing on Friday. I think Barack actually put out a, a fair enough statement on it. I also think that Republican presidents is a perfect example of the unilateral disarmament that the GOP used to believe in. You know, Bush never weighed in against Obama, really. And uh, the Obamas clearly have weighed in plenty against Trump and and in very, in some cases, I think, very unfair and uh, undermining ways. Uh, But Michelle Obama released a statement here because clearly the Democrats are going to throw everything they've got at Trump in these last few weeks. And there was a lot of pressure on Michelle Obama and and Barack Obama to push Joe Biden, whom they didn't even want to run in 2016. Can we just take a moment to remember that for a second? Why wasn't Joe Biden the candidate in 2016 again? Guy had been vice president for eight years, but he's so great. We can trust Joe. He's really smart. He's a really good leader. That's what they're telling us now. But in 2016, he was the VP. Shouldn't he have been the? he was younger? He was Coming out of being the vice president, shouldn't he have been the natural choice? What wasn't Joe Biden? I, I know the media, everyone wants you to forget about this. Wasn't he the natural choice? Why wasn't he the candidate for the Democrats again? Why weren't the Obamas coming out with all the most, you know, flourishing praise imaginable for what a great leader Joe Biden would be as next president of the United States? No, it was all Hillary. It was her. It was her party. It was it was hers. And you know, Bernie Sanders was the one, not Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders was the one that almost reigned on the Hillary parade there. Um, so 
That's what ended up happening. Now, we have Michelle Obama coming out to speak uh, specifically about the BLM riots. And, I, and you know I'm going to have an issue with this. Here's what she said. Play 12. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs, whipping up violence and intimidation. And they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. But that doesn't mean it won't work. Saying Trump's being a racist. Okay, well, we knew this was going to happen. But the part of this that you probably already guessed gets me the most angry is the only a tiny fraction of the BLM movement for racial justice. No, BLM is a movement that is explicitly about cops murdering black men without consequence. That is what BLM is about. That's why it's Black Lives Matter. It's not the black equality movement. That's not what they call it. It's Black Lives Matter. It's about cops shooting unarmed black men. That has been from the very beginning the foundational uh, lie of the movement, but that's their foundational concept. That's the thesis of it. Okay, so let's start with that. To say it's about black equality, uh, that's actually not what the movement, I mean, that, that's broadening out the definition in such a way that it forgets what really this all got started. Why, why did it, why, did, why was black equality all of a sudden an issue again after George Floyd? Right. Why do they always talk about the, those, those kinds of cases? White cop, black uh, suspect or black you know, citizen, individual, and use of force incident. That's where, so let, 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 let's, see, that's dishonest. She's just being dishonest. Okay, that there's a dishonesty in this. Say what the movement's really about at this point, but they can't, they don't want, really want to talk about that because we've seen what ends up happening in some of these cases. We've seen that there's always more to the story than we're told in the beginning. And also, it's not a good look for the Democrat Party to uh, really defame law enforcement right before we're going into a general election. So they're trying to move it away from law enforcement, the bad guys. But no, no, I'm not going to let them do that. I'm going to remember that. But the a small percentage of the protests were not peaceful. Notice they won't say, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the great lie of the summer of 2020. Democrats were looting and rioting and destroying billions of dollars of businesses, of of merchandise, of think about it. It's, remember, it's not even just what they steal and what they break. It's what this means for property values in the neighborhood where they've done the destruction. It's what it means for businesses that don't renew the lease, businesses that are out of business for a month or more while they try to get restocking of the shelves and try to repair the damage done, working through the insurance companies. And that was another a, a horrific line you heard from Libs during all this. Oh, they have insurance. Has anyone ever dealt with an insurance company that was like, yeah, great. We're happy to write you a huge check for everything and make you make you feel better about everything. I know there are commercials like that, but eh, a lot of insurance companies, not all of them, but a lot of them are very into. Oh, sorry. I know you didn't see page 37, section C, subheading 1.2 because, uh, you know, you didn't have the required lock on that back door. So now you don't get your check. Sorry. All on you. So we've all we've all been there. We've all we all know what that can be like. But this this story that it's a small percentage of the protests were not peaceful. Uh, OK, let's play this game for a second. So does that mean it's not a big deal? 
There is not a single study you will see, not one study anywhere of COVID right now that will say that it has a 1% or more fatality rate. So what if I just walked around all the time saying, well, you know, COVID is basically nothing because less than 1% of people die from it, which is what they say. Don't even pay attention to it. Less than 1% die from it. That would be, everyone would say, well, hold on a second. I mean, 1%, it's actually a lot of people. 1% of protests being violent, destructive, anarchic riots when you have hundreds of cities with protests all summer? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's indicative of a movement that is morally rotten and corrupt and wrong. That's what it shows. Oh, but it's a very small percentage. Really? A very small percentage of the large protests in large cities? You know, are we are we including 10 people getting together in a town of 50,000 somewhere saying black lives matter as a protest the same way we would what happened here in New York where there was rioting on my block? Destroyed windows. It was I mean, a disgrace. These are all Biden voters. They want you to forget that now, though. They'll do anything. They're desperate. These are Biden voters who did this. They're Biden voters that while the country was dealing with a pandemic, thought that it was time to loot and riot and burn and attack. It's Biden voters who were shining lasers into the eyes of police officers, including federal law enforcement in Portland, to blind them as if that's funny. If someone tried to blind me and I shot them, I would not feel bad about it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're going to try to take my sight away. I got a sidearm. I'm using it. But they pretend like it was no big, no big deal. No big deal. Just a small percentage. Michelle Obama, part of the propaganda. Part of the problem. It's really just gross. That was a gross statement. It was wrong. Um, Anybody who works in law enforcement, has law enforcement in their family, should be horrified at what the Democrat Party has become. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. They, look, let's be clear. The Democrats have a big chunk of, of their base that hate your husband, wife, son, daughter, you name it. If they work in law enforcement, despise them. It's an anti-cop movement. We've known this for a long time. It has been from the very beginning. Cops are bad. Cops are bad because they stand in the way of the anarchic mob from just being able to intimidate people and do whatever they want. So they hate cops. Right? And cops are also, also in, in the leftist approach to all this, they're the manifestation of state authority that for an oppressive and racist state, which we're told America is, means that they are effectively the shock troops of racism. Police are the shock troops of racism in America. We have a racist system. Joe Biden in the last debate. Remember that he was saying that, you know, you know oh, the schools are racist and the courts are racist and the cops are racist and you know, everything was racist. So the police become then instruments of force in a racist society for a racist system. So, yeah, they are the bad guys as far as Democrats are concerned, aren't they? OK, OK, libs. Stay with that. Make that case. Be honest about what you believe. But you see, that's the big problem for Biden, for the Democrats right now in general. They can't be honest about what they believe. They need to fool people. They need to pretend that Joe Biden's just a just a guy from, you know, decades ago. You can trust Joe. He's the guy who's at your son's little league game, you know, cheering on both sides. And he's such a good guy. Joe Biden is a clown and a jerk who's only ever cared about Joe Biden in his public life. That's it. Doesn't do anything for this country. Doesn't know enough to do anything for this country. This guy's not a leader. He's a sheep. He's a follower. 
Always has been. What do I need to do? Who do I need to get money from? And what do I need to say to get reelected? That's this guy's entire professional life. That's it. But no, he's going to keep saying all this stuff. Going to keep all these narratives going just for what? Wow, I'm looking at the. It's uh, October 6th. We've got uh, less than a month here, folks. I've been telling you, I've been trying to prepare us all for how many lies they're going to tell and just how ruthless and shameless this whole thing is going to get. And I just want to say I am aware of the fact that it's not possible to really prepare yourself for this because whatever you think is the absolute gutter, whatever you think is the basement of ethics and morality and decency that Democrats will reach in this quest to defeat Trump in this reelection, they will go 10 layers below that. They'll, they're going to find a way. You've already seen it. I mean, you got a little bit of it. You're going to see more of it with the Amy Coney Barrett situation. Where what is that next next week? Right. We're going to have the beginning of the hearings. They're going to say adoption uh, that they're they're going to write and the media doing the the bidding of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, committee. uh, They're they're going to write pieces that call into question. They've already done it a little bit. Call into question the ethics of cross racial adoption. They're going to do it. They're, They're going to go there as just as immoral and and awful as that is, they'll do it. And anything, anything to show, even if they can't stop the ACB ACB nomination, they want to make a show for their supporters, for the for the Democrat voters and the and the media, make a show of how much they hate her. So then, then that at least puts them in good standing with their own side. So even if they're just throwing, you know, mud and and proverbial bags of urine at the passing motorcade, so to speak. Uh, and it's not going to stop ACB from getting where she's trying to go. They want to make sure everyone knows how much they despise and hate her. And it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be truly disgusting. Get ready for it. But but Biden's the good guy represents good, good people in the Democrat Party. And these people are a bunch of, you know, soy boy, snowflake lunatics. That's what the that's what the Democrat Party has actually become. 